Father, I want to thank you this morning for your salvation, God, that has come to us. It's come to me, and I know so many in this room, God, where your salvation has come, and it's taken us out of darkness, and it brought us into a marvelous light, into a kingdom that will stand into eternity, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that we're no longer in this world or of this world, but we're only in this world. And through your salvation, God, you have, you have extended and you've taken our lives and you've transcended this time and the time that we live in. And you've pushed us into eternity, God, to be with you. And so I pray that as we hear this morning, God, I pray that your word will come and it will work eternity into our hearts, an eternal perspective, God, that it will come, God, and show us how we are part of your kingdom and how your kingdom is advancing, God. And I pray, Father, for each and every one of us that we will find again that joy of your sal- the salvation that we've received bubble up inside of us, God, and that we would know that we can run with you, God. And so we trust you for that in this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, um, my title for the message um, is No Innocent Bystanders. Okay, No Innocent Bystanders. And I think not everyone understands what that means, but I'm just going to give you a definition in any way of what that means. It means it's one who is present but not taking part in a situation or an event. A chance spectator. Some other definitions. A bystander means a person who observes a crime, impending crime, conflict, potentially violent or violent behavior, or conduct that is in violation of rules, policies of an institution. Bystanders are those who slow down. (laughs) When I read this, I was like, you know, like you, you, you know who you are. Uh, Bystanders are those who slow down to look at a traffic accident, but don't stop to offer assistance. The people who watch an argument on the street and the crowd that gathers to watch a playground fight. That's what a bystander is. And so often and so easily, we can claim ourselves to be innocent bystanders. But I do believe in the kingdom that there is no such thing as innocent bystanders. And if that's going to be our approach as believers, we might find ourselves on the wrong side of what God's heart is for us. Amen? So, I'm going to give us a quick disclaimer. (laughs) Disclaimer is good. Okay. This morning, I'm just going to read it because I might, I might forget something, and I think it's important that I don't. This morning, I'm not advocating this morning for any form of social change. And I don't want us to use this as a confirmation to start an NPO or an NGO or something that's going to bring social reformation. There's only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Or, sorry, kingdom of God, not a kingdom of light. Kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And oftentimes when you hear what we're going to hear this morning, 
we take the approach of we are going to go and change the kingdom of darkness. And this morning I want to say to us, we cannot change the kingdom of darkness. We can only extend and advance the kingdom of God. That's the difference this morning. And so I'm not trying to this morning come and change social change or stir anything up in that way. But I believe in a kingdom of God that extends and transcends my own culture, being white, Afrikaans, Freistater, Chita. It transcends that culture to the point of where my culture is completely nullified. And I don't live according to that culture. I live according to the kingdom of God. And as much as I try and change the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness has been given rule and reign in this earth and in this life. But we have been given salvation that transcends this life and this world and brings us into eternity with God. And that's something that God gives to everyone. And so, just like last week where Brett spoke about Judas, that wanted to have Jesus come and overthrow and fill the place of being the, the king in that area, era and at that time, he did certain things to push and nudge Jesus so that Jesus can be pushed into power. In the same way, I want to encourage us not to do the same thing that he did. <laughs> Amen. We will see social, sociological and political issues all around us that will bring up something of injustice. I was the other day, um, I'm going off my notes, but um, the other day I was driving into um, a canal walk. And as I drove into canal walk in the parking area, <clears throat> He said, the one parking that I always just go and park because it feels like it's the easiest parking. And as I drove, um, I, I heard screams in, in, the, in the parking lot. And I saw two, two security guards beating a, um, a street guy. You can see he comes off the street, doesn't have much, his clothes are all torn, and they're beating this guy. And they, this guy's just screaming, and he's just like, like, hey, leave me. And as I saw that, <laughs> there's a moment in my heart that I go like, yo, I can't just stand and look at that. And so I stopped my car, and I jumped out. Now, I understand this, that I don't know what's going on, <laughs> okay? I don't know what's going on, but at the same time, I'm also not scared to confront or skate in a place of where I want to step back, but I rather want to find out what's going on, and then I can make a decision on how to react, okay? And so I stopped my car, closest parking, climbed out of my car, and walked up to the, to the security guards, and I tried to stop the one security guard and say, hey, stop hitting this guy. Why are you doing this? Is there not someone that we can phone like police or whatever else? And this guy just carried on. And at the moment people saw me coming, there was a couple of guys. They immediately realized, okay, no, wait, we also need to go help. <laughs> and so everybody came. And before I saw it, there was like five guys around me. And all were like really not happy with the security guys. And so then the security guys, without answering anyone or anything, just left the guy and the guy went running. Now, I won't know what happened. But at the same time, we have got a responsibility 
as believers, not as, I'm, and I'm being uh, on purpose with my word, not as Christians, but as believers, because we are disciples of Jesus. And Jesus, in the way that he did things, I never could see that he was just a bystander. He never just looked at something and didn't react or respond. Let me. He always did something. And it, it might have been in other areas, but he always did something. And I believe in the same way for us, we're meant to do something and accomplish something in this world for the kingdom of God. Not to change the darkness, but to extend and advance the kingdom of God. Amen. So, I'm going to... Before you put that picture up, I'm going to show us a little picture this morning. And if you are a little bit um, sensitive to visual things, um, maybe don't look. It's not, it's not gruesome um, in the sense of blood and guts, but it is a moving picture. Okay. So, Mike, you can, thanks. So that's quite a famous photo. It's a photo that in the 90s, there was a great... Um, a drought in Sudan. Um, and there was a famous photographer in South Africa, um, Kevin Carter. That, you know, Kevin Carter. And he was like a photojournalist. He's a, um, he was part of a guy called, or, or group called the Bang Bang Club. And they were photographers that were even capturing all the injustices and things that happened in the apartheid era. Um, and so this picture was taken in March 1993 um, from Kevin Carter um, in Sudan. And he obviously took the picture. It's fine. You can, you can take it off. He took the picture to show the world what's actually happening in Sudan. To show the hunger and the, the state of the people in that place. And so he's on this show and asked about, and he shows this picture, and eventually, a bit later, won a Pulitzer Prize, which is quite a prestigious prize. Um, he won a Pulitzer for, for this picture. And he was on a show after he's won this, this award, um, and like a phone-in program, and somebody phoned in and asked him, what happened to this little girl? He was later identified that it was a boy, um, but not a girl. But, um, and his answer to that was, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't know. He took the picture, and he had to kind of be quick. It was on his way out of the country. He took a picture, and he left the country because he would have missed his flight. And obviously from that, a lot of people, wherever this photo was shown, was asking, what happened to this child? And later on, the child actually got to a UN food aid thing, and, um, but the child died a couple of years, about 10 years later, um, also of health complications. But that's, in a sense, beside the point at the moment. But the thing that I want to show us this morning is that this is a very real picture of how we live our lives. It is often quite easy for us to look at things and stand on the outside and go, this is wrong, that is wrong, this is bad, that is wrong. And not do something about it. And that's why my disclaimer was there this morning. It's, I'm not here to advocate that we set up, you know, to go into Sudan. The possibility is there's 
countries and warfare happening all around the world, <laughs> not just in Sudan, and it's just, it's everywhere. But something that I want to draw into or draw our hearts to this morning is that we are meant to make a difference in the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God. And as the kingdom of God advances, Scripture tells us that light runs away. And so we can try and fix these things, and many Christians do, and some of them do great works, but some of them are also works that actually count nothing for the kingdom. It just saves humanity from something that is just, a, it in a sense, extends the, or pushes out the inevitability of humanity that's eventually going to just fail, and without Jesus, they will perish. And this morning, as we speak on salvation, I want to speak to us and say that our salvation and what we've received in Jesus is not just something for me and for you to be saved. It's not just something that we can say, cool, I'm going to heaven, I'm okay. And while I'm okay, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm saying, hey, this area in the world is wrong and that friend of mine is bad. And it's not just to point out and be like a Kevin Carter, and I'm, I'm not, but to be like that and just show what is wrong and not actually do anything about it. Couple of, a year later, after this photo, Kevin Carter actually committed suicide. Because the weight of what he's seen and the depravity of the human race, what he's been exposed to, was too much for him. Because he realized he couldn't do anything about it. But see, for me and for you sitting here today, we are not stuck to the depravity of the human race. Our hearts and our minds and our hands are open to the life that we find in Jesus. And in that place, he has called me and he has called you to come and make a difference. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read us something. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, it says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the, what is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, God comes and His blood covers us, and in His blood covering us, he gives us a new identity who washes our minds. His word comes and washes the way that we think. And so where we see things like that and see that all around us today, you don't just need to go to Sudan to see that there's a world that's in need. You can go down to the field here by the ESCOM and you can see people living in, in dire conditions. And we can give them food and we can give them clothes and we can set up all kinds of shops. But without the gospel, bodies will be covered, tummies will be filled, but lives will still be going to hell. 
And so for me and for you, what do we do? See, the ultimate goal and the ultimate will of God is that all will be saved. Is that all would know Him. That all would accept Him as the Lord and Savior of their lives. I want to quickly just highlight that um, one part. That do not be conformed to this world. So the way the world thinks, the way the world reacts, the way the world would look at these situations. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So seeing it in a way from the kingdom side and through the lens of eternity. That by testing you may discern. And that part of testing that you may discern. It translates to finding out the worth of what you've been given. Finding out the worth of the salvation of the blood of Jesus that is having its way and it's working inside of you. Is that through testing, through walking, through doing, through failing sometimes, through getting something right sometimes, through these actions that we might find the true value of what has been poured out in our lives. It's an active thing. It's not something that is stationary. Titus 2 says this, verse 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession So it's for him, but who are zealous for good works. Who are zealous for good works. See, our salvation was never meant to just make us be in right standing. There's something that happens in us, and you've heard me say this in many different ways, is that the moment that we are connected with God and that we have received salvation and His blood covers us, it's like there's a DNA change that's happening in our blood. It's happening in our, in our personality. It happens in our character. It like changes us and it's meant to change us that we become like Him. And who He is is He is a God that changes the broken into the healed, that changes the blind into those who can see, that changes the lost into those who are found. He's a God that is working. He's a God that's engaged, engaging people all over the world through the ages until that day that Jesus comes back. God is going to be working. And in the same way, As we are connected to him, he brings us into a place where we look at the world and that we look beyond just the fact that someone is hungry or someone is 
not, doesn't have clothes on, but that we see that even though people have clothes on and people are rich and they've got all the food that they want, even in those places, everyone is one and the same without Jesus. And in that place, he calls us to him and say, walk with me. And his blood comes and it encourages us. It, ident- it brings a new identity to us. I remember when I got saved, like people can look at me today and you can think, oh man, Rian is my, I don't know, maybe, you, maybe it's not what you think, but um, I'm just taking a shot at you. But maybe you can think that I'm super extroverted. I'm saying to you, I'm not. I was a very shy guy. Shy, insecure, kind of like court maniki syndrome. That was me. But the day Jesus saved me, that started changing. It's still changing. My personality, who I think I am, I'm constantly saying, God, I don't want these things to hold me back from who you are and what you are asking me to do. Because I'm zealous for him. My heart burns for him. But in the same time, he's asking me, Rian, if you love me, love my people. Rian, if you love me, love those who are lost. And it needs me to sometimes, I was um, preaching the other day at our 412 um, regional equip in Cape Flats. And some of the, the um, African churches that we are relating to um, in the Cape Flats, Kailicha area, Mitchell's Plain. Um, and I was saying to them that the way that I grew up, it made me a certain way. And it was taught to me a certain way how I need to look at my colored brother or my black brother. It made me that I would look at them and before they've even said a single thing, I would think that they are going to do a certain thing, mean a certain thing, have a certain agenda towards me. And so it made me afraid. It made me afraid on how I'm going to react. So if Enrico would walk towards me, I would go like, what is he going to try and do to me? (laughs) We can laugh at it now. But I want to say to you, when I was unsaved, that was very real. And that racism that was here in my heart, that hate that was here in my heart, was real. But the day I met Jesus, man, he broke my heart. And today, I know people don't like us saying this, but today... I'm not seeing color. And it's not because I'm trying to say something that it's not. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing a kingdom of darkness and I see the kingdom of God. And that is how I lead my life. In the kingdom of God, Jesus told us that he is going to the Father to prepare a home with many rooms. And in that place, everyone is open to come to him. Everyone that receives him as Lord and Savior, there's a space. And the day that I got saved, my Afrikaans 
racist, white way of thinking and doing and being, that's the day that needed to die. And that identity that I found in that, up to that point, is an identity that needed to die. Now, I'm still standing here today, and I'm still very much alive. But there's something of a transference that happens. This blood washes over me continuously and is unworking in me that. So today as I'm standing here, I can say with a pure and open heart, there's no fear in my heart. I'm going to expose Casey a little bit. I love you, Casey. <laughs> she was, we went to Zambia um, a couple of years ago. And um, we came into Zambia. And there's this big market in the one place where we, where we came to. And for a South African person and a white person, like, it can be very overwhelming if you do not understand what you're coming into. <laughs> and um, we walked into this place, and it's this massive market, like twice the size of Canal Walk and the waterfront. It's just market everywhere you look. And everywhere you look, it's like Zambians can be quite dark um, Africans, and so it's just... You just see black people all around. You don't see a single white person. We are like the, a big white dot on that wall. <laughs> and we were coming in, and I've been to Zambia before, and I've been to this, this market before. And so um, in Zambia, I feel safer than I, what I feel here in Cape Town. Um, but for Casey, it was her first experience. And that initial experience was this is overwhelming. And so I said to Casey, Casey, just stick with me. And Casey walked with me, and at the end of that thing, of that time there, she was like going off on her own and just like, hey, Casey, well done. But she realized like what she thought it was and what it actually is is two separate different things. And so for me, where I'm standing today, I'm standing in a place of where I realized what I thought it was and what I thought, was taught it was, it had something completely different. Because I'm thinking in a different way now. I'm not thinking according to this world, but my mind and my heart is being transformed according to the kingdom. So now I think according to the kingdom. And even if I walk into a dangerous situation... My expectation is not the expectation of this world. No, my expectation is the expectation of the kingdom. And the expectation of the kingdom is that no matter where I go, God is with me. Now, I'm not qualifying a couple of things here, so don't run away with it. But do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so in that... And it's just coming back to that scripture um, in Titus. It says, Waiting for our blessed hope, verse 13, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, to bring us back, to make us new from lawlessness, and to purify us, to make us clean and acceptable for himself, a people for his own possession, being we are his now, who are zealous for good works. 
And so for me and for you, part of our salvation that needs to be worked out and that testing that needs to happen to be proven the value and the worth of it, we can't just be bystanders looking at the world and go, oh, the world is so sinful. Oh, the world is so evil. Oh, the world, oh, I wish that Jesus would come back. If Jesus would come back today, there would be a gnashing of teeth and there would be a crushing of bones. And in some ways, my heart goes like, Jesus, would you come back now? But at the same time, I'm like, Lord, if you come back today, there's a world that will go away. And I go like, Lord, give us more time. Give us grace to stand here. Give us grace to walk here. God, give us courage that we don't just look at this world, but that we realize we do not have time. The disciples were saying, Jesus is coming back soon. And when you look at their lives in the book of Acts and the whole of the New Testament, you see disciples that are, in a sense, hostig about preaching the gospel and giving people who Jesus was and who they saw him to be, what they heard him saying. They were hostage in the way of saying, this is who he is. You have to take it. He's coming back soon. They were convinced that he's going to be just here. And if that's the case, then guys, this is the one. And so God is giving us grace in this time. And so there's two things I want to kind of point out to us. The salvation that's been poured into us, we need to do two things. Number one, we need to cultivate. We need to use the blood that Jesus pours out in our hearts, and we need to cultivate a ground and space for his salvation to have its way and its work in us. You guys get what I'm saying? Yes? No? Cultivate. I'm Afrikaans. If I understand that word, you should understand that word. And as we cultivate and, 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 and sow into what the work that's, been, that's happening into us, we will come to a place of where we eventually bear fruit, which is the heart of God for me and for you. It's that we are connected to the vine. And that as we're connected to the vine, he's the vine, we are the branches, that each and every branch carries fruit. Amen? And this is something that's been throughout history. God says, go forth and multiply. Bear fruit. Physical fruit. Children. But I do believe in a, in a spiritual sense, spiritual fruit. And spiritual fruit is lives that are being brought into the kingdom. Lives that are being discipled. Being a people that are no longer walking according to their own nature, but walking according to the nature of the spirit that's at work within them. And we know we get spiritual fruit, fruits of the spirit. Being self-controlled, being gentle, being loving. Like, and if those things are not in us, and if they're not being cultivated in us, then church, I want to ask us, what then is the value of the salvation that has been poured out into your life. See, God calls us to himself, but then he calls us to be zealous for good works. And so how do we cultivate? 
How do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate the work of God in our lives? Number one is we pray. <laughs> we pray. I want to ask you, when last did you spend time with God? Just praying. Not praying for something. What you need, what you want, situation that you need dealt with. No, when last did you just pray and spend time with him? He's not to us like a, a slot machine that we just go like put in one prayer and get out my list. No, he calls us into a relationship. He calls us into a place where he wants to walk with us. Where he wants us to walk with him. Helen's great, 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 great grandfather, Andrew Murray, is a story about him. Speaking about, he walked down the street in, in, in um, Wellington. Um, and as he walked down the street, he was talking to someone. Um, and this guy kept on talking and talking. And um, when you go in Wellington, there's a big statue of Andrew Murray that looks down Church Street towards the Drakenstein Mountains. That used to be the only road into Cape Town or into the Cape area. It was like a trading route. And he was always walking there praying and trusting God that as people come from there or come into there for the gospel to be preached. And he was walking down Church Street when speaking to this guy or this guy was speaking to him. And the next moment this guy turns and realizes Andrew Murray is not with him. And he looks back and he saw Andrew Murray is there in the back. And he walks back to Andrew Murray and says, like, hey, like, um, what happened? And Andrew Murray says to him, I felt like God was not with me there. And so I didn't want to move. And he stood there and he's like, okay, cool, let's walk. <laughs> now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it stirs something in my heart. So, Lord, I want to know that you are with me. I want to be aware of your presence. And if you are hearing that this morning and going like, oh, Rihanna, it's just, it's, come on, let's be real. I want to say to you, your mind needs to be transformed. Our God is the living God. And His Spirit lives inside of us. And it's real. Now, I might not always feel like God is, God is not, uh, and just if I'm offensive, I'm sorry, but God is not like a little girl that's always just going in your ear. You hear what I'm saying? I've got little girls, and they're always going. God is not like a little girl that's always just going, Rian this, Rian that, like. No, 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 no. But there's a sense of he's with me. And as I'm walking, there's a sense in my heart like, ah, oh, there's something. And I want to respond to that. But I can choose to be a bystander and not respond to it or not even be open to respond to that. Or I can pray in the morning and say, God, I thank you that you're with me. God, I thank you that you want me to walk and there's a kingdom that needs to be advanced. And that as I walk out of this door, God, I'm facing the kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom of darkness, whether I like it or not, is against me. 
And I'm not going to call out every bad thing that comes to me and say, that's a devil and that's a demon and that's... No, 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 no. I don't care about the devils and the demons. God, I care about your kingdom of your kingdom being extended and advanced through my life. So wherever I go, God, if I face the devils, if I face the demons, God, bring it on because I know that you're with me. And I know in those places, God, what I want to bring is I want to bring your life, not Rian's ministry or Rian's look at what a big Christian he is. No, 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 no. I want God, I want your life because I want lives changed for your kingdom. Like that's why I go out. But it starts with a prayer. It starts with coming to him and saying, God, I want to know you. That's the very reason why me and you are with him. Otherwise, we'd have had a high priest here that's still once a year coming and bringing an offering. And then we're all okay. We can just live like we want to. The high priest is going to do it. No, no, no. Jesus came. He is our high, high priest. And he's taken away any barrier between me and God, between you and God. He's taken that barrier away because he wants to be the God that is with us. And the people that is with their God. That's how we cultivate. When Jesus went up, and I'm close to finishing, but if Je- when Jesus stood up out of the grave and spent time with the disciples, and the disciples were going like, Jesus, just stay here with us. And Jesus said, like, hey, I have to go. But I'm going to send someone like me. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be a helper. He's going to be one that's going to lead you. And so for me and for you, just to say, Jesus, here I am, take my life, I'm yours, and I'm in heaven one day when I die, is not enough. Now the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to work out this road that we need to walk. And for me and for you, we need to consistently come to that place where we say, God, I need your spirit. God, I need your, your voice. See, the thing is, God has taken away all the obstacles out of my way and out of your way. All the obstacles that would keep us from walking with him. He's taken that out of the way. He's atoned for our sins. He sent his Holy Spirit so that we have, it's like, it's him here. (laughs) And he's given us his word. He's given us his word that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God. It's good for us for the way. 1 Timothy 3.16, I think. Guys, just help me here. 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture. 2.16, 3.16, 3.16. All scripture is given for the way of life. It's for building us up. It's for correcting us. It's for giving us direction. All scripture is God-breathed. So he's taken away the sin, the thing that holds us away from his presence. He's taken that away through Jesus. He's made an offering that me and you can step into and go, God, we are yours. And then he's come and he's given us the Holy Spirit to make that salvation come completely alive in us. That we can go like, oh, this is it. And then he's come and he's given us his word. 
so we can get like this is God breathed. It's not a man. Does somebody have a Bible here? Harry, there. It's fine. This is not Harry Potter. This is not even, I know I, I get what Brett said and I agree with him. <laughs> this is not even biographies. It's biographies of the disciples. But this is the word of God. His words inspired, breathed out. How can we look at this and go like, ah, not today. See, it's because there's something that's going wrong and where we measure the value of this that's being poured out. And when we do that, we become like the photographer that just takes a photo. Look, everybody, look how bad the world is. But actually, God has called us not to just show everybody how bad the world is. He's placed the power of him inside me and inside you to step into the world that's full of darkness, full of brokenness, and show them the kingdom of God that is filled with life, that is filled with wholeness, that is filled with healing, that is filled with life that stretches beyond this world into eternity. And the amazing thing is, God can do it all on his own. But he looks at us and goes, this is my children. <laughs> I don't make them part of me. My little girls, they love it. It's frustrating to me. <laughs> but they love it if I'm doing something. They want to just be there with me and do it with me. And they also want to have a go at it. <laughs> and I'm often like, hey, I just want to get this done. Let me just quickly... But God is not like me. God is a good father. And he's going like, hey, I want my children with me, to walk with me, to come to know me. Kev, can you quickly share that testimony? I'm going to end. I've got one more scripture. But I want to quickly, Kev prayed for someone. Um, and I'll, I'll pick up after you. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a dentist, so I had a patient last week. Now this lady, she's now 35, she's been a patient for about 25 years. So I've seen her from a little girl grow up, she got married, and I hadn't seen her for a little while. And so she comes to me, it was in November 2021, and so I'm like, how are you doing? And we start chatting a little bit. And then she says, no, 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 they're trying for children, and they've been trying for, for four years now, and she starts breaking down, and she starts crying. And she says, look, they, they've, they've tried IVF, they've tried everything, and they, they're just so desperately want." And if you think about it, that she's had like 50 times, 50 months, where every time they go, are you pregnant? No, no, for 50 months. And so you can see she was really emotional about it, so I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. So I said, do you mind if I, I pray for you? And I had a new assistant who just started with me at that stage. And her eyes were like, whoa, you're more than just fixing teeth here. 
So anyway, so I, I, I prayed for her, and I remember I prayed, God, that you'd bring fruitfulness into her womb, and you'd open up her womb, and, and so we prayed, and she said she really appreciated it. I did a good job with her teeth as well, and so off, off she went <laughs> on her way, paid her bill. Uh, the gospel doesn't come for free. <laughs> and so, um, and then I didn't see her. <laughs> just a prosperity gospel coming out here, a little, just a little bit. And so, she came in this last week, and I'd written down in, on my notes, prayed for her to fall pregnant. So I'd seen it on the card, and so when she was coming in, I thought I must ask her. So she comes in, and it's like the same, hey, how you, how you doing? And I know, really good. She said, do you remember you prayed for me? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. And I saw uh, uh, my, my assistant, Mercedes, smiling. And she says, our child is seven months old. And so she said, I prayed for her in the November, February. She fell pregnant. And then she'd come to me, and it was like seven months they had this, this, this little boy. But it just touched my heart, you know, that, that, that you, you, you can pray for somebody like that. It's in the marketplace. It's where you're working. And uh, do I do it enough? Most probably not. But I want to hear God's spirit more. When God tells me to pray, then, then, then I'm going to pray. And this is, was it my prayer that did it? Most probably not. But, I mean, I was part of it, and other people were praying for her as well. But, you know, She's now got a, a, a kid, and, and I was just obedient to pray for her. Uh, how that all works out, I don't know, but all I know is God used me in that area. You know, it's just amazing. This morning we prayed for people to feel like God's love is not getting to them. I want to say to you, if you're going to be sitting as a bystander, you're going to struggle to find God's love coming to you or struggle to feel like God's love is coming to you. But in something like this, again, and I want to, what Kevin said here, most probably not my prayer, which might be true, because we can't change the kingdom of darkness. But the kingdom of God is something that we have a direct connection with. And in some ways, when we step into these moments of praying for people like that, step into these moments of helping people, not just with the world, but bringing them into that place of where they see who God is. In that moment, we see the love of God. I mean, forgive, you can go ask him. As much as it's great to see that and this lady is experiencing something, the love that he experienced from God is overwhelming. It's like that God would use me. The disciples, when they were with Jesus, and Jesus told them how to drive out demons, they just went like five-year-olds with machine guns and just started going, demons out, 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 out. And they came back to Jesus and running back to Jesus and going, yo, the demons, they actually listen to us. Yo. And Jesus rebuked them. Like, be more concerned that your name is in the book of life. But the heart behind what they were doing is they were actually doing something. And they found the life that there is to be found in God. And when we're not stepping into that place, man, 
We're missing out. So my question to us today, and I'm going to end off with the scripture, Revelations. So before I give my question, Revelation 12 is 10 to 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ, of his Christ, have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Kingdom of darkness. Okay? That's what's happening right now. And they, it's not Jesus, it's not the angels, it's us. The day they, it's us. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives unto death. By the blood of the Lamb, we've been covered. We've been made new. We've been given new identity. And the word of their testimony, the kingdom of God that is at hand. The kingdom of God that has been poured out into our lives. But that word of their testimony is not something, it's not a knowledge It's not the knowledge of their testimony. It's not a knowing. It's not an understanding of their testimony. No, it's a word. It's spoken. It's an action. It's not an innocent bystander watching. It's actually someone getting involved. And that's what God calls us to. That's what he empowers us to do. And we will only see that happening and functioning if we actually start stepping out and doing. So my question to us, and I'm going to end off with this. How long before you are going to take hold of what you've been given? I'm going to remind you of that testing. By testing, you may discern It means to find out the worth of something by tasting it. Let's close in prayer. Father, I want to thank you this morning. You are working out a great salvation in us. And I pray this morning for each and every one of us for courage in our hearts. That we actually might go and discern and test out this great salvation that you've poured out in our lives. That we would find the immense worth of what this is that you have done. I pray that we will not be innocent bystanders, God. But that we will be those that take your kingdom by force. Because you've given us your blood. You've given us a new identity. You've made us your children. And in that, God, we want to proclaim that you are an amazing God. That you are powerful and you're majestic and wonderful beyond what we can imagine or think of, God. 